0: Well, as a dental student, it's always good to just, you know, get more education so that when we come out, we're more prepared for the real world. Not that we don't learn enough in dental school, but you can never have too much knowledge,
1: right? Interacting with other dentists, learning from them, you know, having a support system that you can communicate and rely on, that's definitely something that you can't get just on the online medium.
0: When you come to these courses, these people have been working for like several years, 30 years, 40 years of their experiences, and they share not just theirs, but um, everything from literatures. I'm gonna learn how to not use my dental brain and um, Be able to just speak to a patient and explain things in a more layman's terms. I think that we don't know what we don't know, and the more you come to these events, the more that you can figure out what you need to research more. I mean, I'll come to this event, I've been taking some notes, but now I'll use that to... Find more articles, find more research, that kind of thing. Dr. Paul Goodman is great. He's like multi-specialty, multitasking kind of dentist mentor.
2: I think Paul puts out really great content. I think. He is a person who genuinely cares about the future of Dennis coming out of school. He genuinely cares about us getting the information we need to succeed. And you know, he puts out fantastic courses for young associates and for even Dennis who are just uh, in however many years of practice to learn, grow their practice and grow their skill sets. It's been an amazing event. I can't believe he can put this all together. It looks like everyone here and the amount of work put into it
0: is amazing. Even if I, I won't be able to be here in person, I'll definitely buy the live stream. So which is I would highly recommend uh, two days of full like power packed learning keep doing the same events we really like it and the way he connects everyone through the Facebook or you know whatever the social media he use it's great so keep doing it welcome to the dental amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at
1: www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos. Joined as always by the head Nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Hey, Rob, great to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you, Paul. As always, uh, thanks for uh, for joining us again today, everyone. Uh, so uh, it's good to see you coming off uh, a weekend uh, in the Big Apple, New York City, yeah, for the took, Greater Dental. Took uh, the Dental Nacho teams, teams up New York there. Dental Show, yeah.
2: I mean that that meeting has a lot of nostalgia for me. what used to go up. I mean, I'm 41 now. We, I mean, when I was at Einstein 17 years ago with my dad, and it was the only time you could see a lot of these things. We'd come home with all kinds of, you know, our bags stuffed with free stuff because every dentist like that. And uh, the meetings change over the years. I mean, I think there's still a ton of value to going and seeing people in person, as I like to say, and uh, getting out to see dentists in the wild and also the people who work with dentists, whether it be banks or equipment specialists. So uh, on Sunday when you
1: were there, Rob, it really was packed. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool to see. I mean, I was amazed at just the enormity of it. That that is a big facility. There were a lot of people, a lot of vendors, and it really was a cool buzz. I was was happy uh, that I went. That was the first time I've ever been there. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's something people should put on their calendar to do uh, because you can see almost everything in
2: the dental space in one lap that could take you a couple of hours and you get to see, you know, it's interesting people are coming up to the nacho booth, not to see me, but to see Daphne, the moderator. Too. So I, you know, I, I brought, you know, don't work with kids or babies, brought a, brought a, uh, ba- two babies with me or one baby and one four-year-old. It's good to know that but, they have a bigger following. Yeah, oh yeah follow. for sure. Yeah, people are asking for that. And, uh, you know, I, as a medium-aged dentist, I think it's just a perfect example of, of having your foot in two different worlds where it was just a big part of my life to go up to these conventions and say, we're going to buy a new chair or we're going to buy these new, you know, piece of equipment or new technology. Uh, there is a little bit. It was funny. My, my brother said, I'm not coming this year because I know I'm just going to spend $5,000. I don't need to. <laughs> for dentists, they do really, it's like going uh, food shopping when you're hungry. Because, you know, they, they have all the newest toys on display and the newest yeah. things. And, you know, of course, my burr doesn't work well anymore. I need this new burr. But right. uh, it's, it was neat to see. And I, I appreciate you coming up and supporting us, Dennis, Rob.
1: That was fun. I was, I was glad I did it. Um, you know, and I think it, it's really like anything. Um, we're going to get into this t- in today's episode, too. It's just so important to get off of your island, right, and yeah. interact with other people. And see, you know, what else is out there, and what other people are doing. It doesn't mean you have to do it, but yeah. it just gives you an idea, you know, of, of you know, and, and, and sort of uh, some thoughts as to how you can improve your practice and, and be a, a better owner, a better professional. And you know, we keep talking about this, and it keeps coming back yeah. in different ways. That it's really easy just to put your head down and get lost in the busyness and the stress of Running a professional practice and forget that, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to take a step outside here and just look at what I'm doing from another, just another angle. You know? I
2: totally agree, and it's in an interesting. I mean, I, with this Facebook world, it's funny because you're walking around and you see people from facebook like almost like these you know cast of cast of characters from a tv show right. so, so hey you're from you know the dental nachos or the business of dentistry and it's really neat because we've connected with these people whether through private messenger on the group and i just you know love the live events like when we do the dentist and team boost here in philadelphia or the or the uh, larger clinical events because you get a chance to just kind of combine you know facebook mm-hmm. interaction with live interaction and it's it's very special you yeah know, the uh, the you know in the beginning of my career you wouldn't know dentists who existed outside a few mile radius of your of your practice and now we know people across the country and really
1: across the world so yeah, uh, yeah. well I- it, it's very easy now in the world we live in to not talk to people right you, know, yes, you, exactly. you really you can you can be a professional in, in a lot of respects and just really just not talk to people and just kind of roll through and type messages and uh, post things and uh at the end of the day, you know, interacting with people is invaluable.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, a, you know, if I was, I, I don't know if any people know this about me, but I mentioned it, you know, a few times, I was an outstanding three-point shooter in high school. And uh, it's like if I went to play basketball, like sort of loosening up to get your basketball muscles back, it's like you're loosening up to get your live Human interaction muscles back going uh, yeah. when you go to these events. So I, uh, I encourage dentists of all ages to, to do that. And I know you were at a, a event like that yourself recently.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting because I was in uh, in DC uh, last weekend for the uh, National Association for Law Placement uh, annual. Uh, professional development conference. So it's an interesting uh, organization. It's, uh, in, in full disclosure, the reason why I went there in the first right. place was I could go for, for two days and get live credits that could apply in the nine jurisdictions where I'm licensed, yeah. which, Paul, I can tell you is a challenge. Yeah, right, right. I could see so that. So I'm looking around like, well, this looks cool, DC. I take the train down there and get my, get my credits, and I'm good in Texas, Minnesota, right. Arizona, and all the other places. Um, But, you know, when I, after I signed up, I started to look and say, hmm, this is actually a little different, right? So they're not talking about, uh, you know, negotiating commercial leases. Uh, They're not talking about uh, issues with operating agreements and uh, all the, the, the legal sort of substantive stuff. They were talking about really uh, does it the conference is titled professional development so the people that were there were people that are either in career placement in, in law schools for the most part or they are what would be considered to be HR in what is also known as big law. Okay. So big law, Paul, is like a it's whole other yeah. world, man. Like it's I, like
2: from the firm with Miss McDear because that was a book I read, you know, back in the day. I love uh, it's Johnny beyond Marshall. that. Like, okay. <laughs> imagine
1: the firm, but there's like literally five thousand people wow. that you know lawyers that work in the firm around the around the world. It's a totally different business. And whenever I kind of drop in on that kind of stuff, it's always like, whoa, man, I'm mm. I'm doing something very different from this, which i 'm very happy to <laughs> just say that, but uh, there was you know a lot of the the discussion is about things that we talk about a lot, and for me, you know I kind of explore a lot of things with uh, with mindfulness and uh, and, and strategic thinking and and planning that uh, I don't usually see it in in the law context. So for me, it was really cool to kind of see that applied, um, you know, in in my profession. And and I'll tell you, the other thing that was kind of funny was to be at a at a C CE with lawyers because most of my time in CES, I'm spending now with dentists. Yeah, yeah, right. right? I know. So, yes, I know. Like, where are the dentists? You do, know, like there are all these lawyers here. Do they
2: challenge each other just like dentists do at a, at CE events? Or are they a little more?
1: Well, this was different because the typical legal CE event is people sit down and they try not to talk to each other. Okay. You know, they either open up the newspaper sounds or pull up their laptop. That sounds yeah. Uh, very, yeah. And <laughs> if, like, somebody talks to you, it's like, Whoa, well, you know, what's this is, this is odd. Like, I, I probably don't want to sit next to that person after lunch. But this is a group because they're not practicing lawyers. They're friendlier, go and figure. Yeah. And, um, you know, actually found that people sat down and introduced themselves, which was a little weird to me at first, but then I, I got used to yeah. it. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a cool group. But, you know, I think so. one of the things that they were talking about, uh, which I thought was really cool, uh, that, you know, again, these big law firms are implementing uh, real-time, associate evaluation portals oh, cool. so it's pretty cool the way they do it uh, that if certain associates work with certain partners for a minimum threshold of time each year say like 75 hours of billable time that that automatically prompts that partner to give the younger associate uh, an evaluation um, and at the same time the technology is evolving so that the associates now have the ability to request a real-time evaluation of of their work product and and how they're doing on a deal or uh just generally in in the firm and uh which you know to me of course i do annual reviews yeah. been some years that are better than others and some years i talk about certain things and not others and um, it has not been a very uh organized comprehensive approach for me, so it was sort of like a an, an aha moment uh and and obviously too they their uh what what the big law firms are doing is is different too from us from what we do i mean they have if there 's a deal in in one of their offices they could have eight ten or fifteen people working on one okay. deal like if we had you know everybody in our office working on a deal like the the fees would be staggering. Yeah, right. so it 's a different it's a different model. But, you know, kind of, kind of sitting there and hearing why they do it and how they do it uh, was enlightening to me. And, and you don't necessarily have to do it the way they do it uh, with the, with the real time evaluation or, you know, the, the electronic aspect of it or the app or the software uh, component of it. But when you start to think about it, the reasons for this are really very compelling and it's interesting now that and i've seen this recently with people that have young associates or prospective associates that have interviewed with us that there's an expectation or a hope that they are going to receive a lot of feedback and i think as much as anything it's a very it's a generational thing um you know the the expectation is that hey i'm going to be here and and i'm going to be treated well and 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 i will be told whether i'm doing things properly or not because of course how can i be expected to to improve my uh myself professionally if nobody's telling me what i'm doing or not doing and so when you think about it too that it kind of manifests itself in, in a few different ways i mean first you know, we'll talk about the importance of doing this with uh, with associates and, and the benefits from that, and the the process that you know we're in the process now of implementing in my office in the very early stages, albeit, is that I think it's important for people at the beginning of the year to know associates to know what the criteria right, is yeah, going some to be. Right, measurable things. Exactly. Like here it is. You know, this is the beginning of the year. If anybody's starting from scratch with this, this is what you're going to be. Uh, evaluated on this year, there's you know eight or ten things, these areas, and so that in and of itself is a powerful thing because then you say, okay, this is what I need to be thinking right, about, yeah. you know, and we'll talk about the dental world what that means uh, in a few minutes, and then of course at the end of the year you've got okay now here's what you did, you know, right. did <laughs> you did you meet these goals? Did you meet these expectations? How did you do in all these areas? And then even more importantly here's what you can do to improve and so i think a lot of people are probably reluctant to kind of have that moment of truth and as a business owner right yeah it's awkward right i mean who feels like looking somebody in the eye and saying hey you know you're not doing so well with this right, yeah. right it's not easy but i think you know i think we owe that to to the younger people that work for us to, to let them know what they need to do and what they're doing and what they're not doing.
2: From a dentist perspective, I think it's even more important because I think in the law world, and you know, this is something that you know I, I have a lot of um, complaints and challenges about dental school. But this is a topic that cuts across all all industries. But the you know, from watching, you know, being the number one client here and walking through the halls of, of Montgomery Law, I see <laughs> you're the number one client <laughs>
1: because, like today, you brought the uh, what is it, the, oh yeah yeah brought bark, some some free yeah, chocolate snacks from upstairs with, yeah yeah that cherry which yeah, I, dark chocolate <laughs> and cherry is a
2: I know it in myself lot. but I see you know uh, you know you have summer interns and there's programs in the law field where they come and at least see what it's like to be in a law office whether they work there or not. Uh, We don't have anything like that in dentistry. So what happens is the dental school instructors, uh, which is not an easy job, but the majority of them are not working in private practice, so they are giving feedback to, to students um, from their non-private practice world, and then they go right. and work in private practice, and it's just now it's they're totally turned around because you know I actually wrote a uh, uh, what I thought was a good and funny and meaningful rant uh, recently. You actually just sent it out uh, today about you know do you want the best haircut that your you know stylist can give, and people say uh, sure it's okay if it takes five hours. No, well yeah. now we got to get off to some sort of feedback on how we can get to what I call goodish, and in dental school there is no goodish. There's only perfect or kind of stinks. But in the real world, there's much different levels of, of uh, gray there. So feedback, you know, when I was writing some thoughts for the to dental space, you know, and the clinical and non-clinical things that you do each day. So I'm just thinking this is a great topic because dentistry really doesn't have any of this built into it. And the uh, the owner of the office is usually trying their best to nurture their associates, but they have no idea how to even start with feedback. So. Right somewhat myself included. I mean, the, what I know is the, the best example for our listeners is, you know, if you've done a general practice residency or an AEGD, uh, the people teaching there are usually also in private practice like me. So at least, I get a lot of, at least I get a lot of test subjects for one year to give feedback. You know, a lot of our awesome associates. So I get to practice that and giving them feedback. And then right. they're leaving, actually. Right. So I know, unless I've hired them, which is, you know, a few of them, but it's, uh, that at least lets me exercise that muscle. Because it's not easy to tell. It is always easy to tell someone they're doing a great job, but it's not easy to tell people they're doing what you deem is a not so great job.
1: Oh yeah, it's hard. And and look and and you know, people are not alone. If if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast now and you say, hey, we've never done formal uh, valuations, we put up a poll uh, up on dental. Yeah, Notchers. good job, Rob, yeah, with yeah, your thanks, poll. And I, I'm thinking I'm two for two, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, nice. Uh, I, I liked it. Got yeah, a lot yeah, of engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave a lot of great choices. Thank uh, you, thank you. So I think the. I expected to see that most uh, practices were not doing formal uh, associate evaluations, and lo and behold, I guess what we got like twenty. I can't read. now. We got we all like oh, the majority though. That's probably eighty
2: percent is. I've never given my associate a formal I've never given my associate a formal evaluation I've never received a formal evaluation and uh, that was the the top choice by a lead and then the next one was I do evaluations of my associate but never in writing my employer evaluates me evaluates me but never in writing so at least those six to eight people feel that they are getting uh, verbal feedback and then we have a lot of um, let's see. I wish my employer did that. As you that was a good choice there, Robert did so more frequently.
1: And there's a bunch of people that felt that way. Yeah, you know. So I think a lot of times we as employers, professional employers, kind of feel like, oh, this is a difficult situ- this is a difficult conversation. It's awkward, as you said, Paul. Uh-huh. But people want to hear it, you know. And and so I think it's important to kind of get past that and 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 have that you know somewhat uh, difficult discussion. But again, those numbers were obviously this is a, a dental nacho poll so statistically right, we have <laughs> yeah. to kind of put it in the context yeah. of this but i think it's it just shows that most people aren't doing it and you know i think you know law school is no different in de- than dental school in that regard i mean i think the difference between our professions is that lawyers there exists big law right these right, are yes. these are and you have these these people with with just insane resources and and uh and uh staffing and and they're also you know as analytical as they could be that can sort of show the way with that dentists don't there's no big law equivalent in dentistry you know i guess well maybe to some extent because i'm going to guess that the the heartlands and the aspens are probably doing uh doing these types of evaluations i mean
2: uh, one of my favorite shows was the simpsons back in the day and i think just one of the to echo some of the themes of our podcast the challenges of being uh, uh you know dental practice owner say, so, you know, you could work all day side by side with your associate and then, you know, say, okay, let's sit down and talk. I mean, you say, I'm say, I'm Paul. I'm also the guy who just tried to fix the toilet, didn't fix do that, right? I'm the guy who also, you know, was running around putting out these fires. Now I'm going to evaluate you. I just think that the number of hats a dental practice owner could wear in one day is, is it's, it's a stressful thing. So they need to sure. figure out a system, just like we talk about systems is to make it not stressful. I mean, one of the things, I mean, I'll just, you know, I kind of go off on different tangents, but in general in life, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it it should be done actually not in the office. I think Uh the best thing is just, you know, for a dental, as someone who, I don't want to brag, owns two two practices, I'm exhausted, you know, I don't know, Mark Casas owns almost 10, but, when you 're in your office, and you may probably feel the same way too rob it 's just a totally different emotional feeling mm-hmm. than when you 're not in your office, even if there 's no patients right. you know so I like to have conversations of all types, you know new ideas just outside the office. We're in a small town where sometimes it is as easy as walking you know one hundred yards to a coffee shop, mm-hmm. but I just think that 's a good starting point to get out of your office to have some of these conversations.
1: I think that's a great point. And I I think, too, that I think it's important that we had some people that responded that said that they, and I think you were one of them, Paul. Yeah, yeah. That you do the evaluations, but not in writing. Uh, I think it's important to, for people to have that, you for know, sure. and, and I'll say, you know, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, imagine though, like if you were in school and it's like oh, the end it. of the year, you know, it's like uh, dental school or college and the end of the semester, you're going like, all right, stand here. I'm going to tell you your grades. <laughs> right, you, know, you got also, this are you're listening. Yeah. You're, this is this, this is, this is your grades and this is what you need to work on. All right. And, and just to retain that, it's hard to kind of go back and follow up the following year to say, Okay. You know, unless you're going to record those conversations. Totally. Here's what we talked about last year, and now this is what we're going to talk about this year. It just becomes this sort of like almost meaningless exercise. You know? There's another thing, too, and I'm
2: sure you have this with clients when you're delivering um, powerful news. I, it could be good or good or not so good. I think when you're hearing something and then you're emotionally agitated— you just don't retain it and you know if, if you just like a report card we used to bring it to our parents it right. needs something like that you know i my like carol kivler who i give her a tremendous amount of credit for helping with my life and management of the office since 2010 kivler communications she's she's outstanding I, uh Uh, she doesn't want any more dental clients. She has one, one's enough. She's like, I didn't know all this stuff happened behind the scenes, but we just had a simple, like, you know, uh, and I'm into word choice, like keep doing, start doing, stop doing. And, you know, you kind of just categorize it like that. Mm -hmm. And we have this for T, this could be applied to many aspects, but even with, you know, evaluations, like keep doing, you know, coming in on time and presenting yourself well, you know, start doing talking to patients about implants and stop doing telling patients it's expensive if their insurance doesn't cover it. I'm just, you know, just kind of thaw of those off the top of my head sure. as maybe just a format. Because we talk, we do like to say, you know, oh, we give verbal reviews all the time, but it's probably done in a fairly haphazard manner.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, how, how can an associate, even really keep track of it. You know, at the end right. of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, if you've received essentially four or five informal evaluations throughout the year, and, and then we say evaluation in quotes right. there, you know, what does that mean in the aggregate? You know, is that a good year? Do, are you doing right. well? Are you not doing well? Are, you know, do you should you think about what you need to do to improve, or are you doing great? Like I don't, it would be impossible. And I think you and I have talked about this in different contexts too that. And I think it's probably more, we talk about this in the context when we give presentations, yeah. like what do people actually retain, right? Yeah. And when you stand up and you speak to people and, and the numbers you know better than they have, I mean, what is it, like 20% or right. something? Right, yeah, it's, or it's that, the city, but sometimes adult learning is like 10% because, and you know, the person
2: presenting or the person, you're like they're, they know it well, you know? When Mary tells me, I'm like the best husband ever, she knows it well, no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> that's, that's the only feedback you have. Mary says that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, never uh, seen her, but uh, she, you, know, like, you know, Rob, do you know who
1: husband, Paul is? You need to,
2: be aware, and sometimes it's, you know, and I'm probably, um, you know, a person who could listen to their own advice, you know, which could be even just the pace of which you say things and the way to let people digest it. That's why I think if you leave them with something that's written, even if it's one piece of paper, and you kind of each keep a copy and you can mm-hmm. check back in on these things, uh, especially in dentistry, there's just a lot of measurable things. Like, we know, we're talking about, like, how long does it take you to put in a crown? You know, if you do 10 crowns and we time you, it's not a race or a contest, but if it's taking longer than a certain amount of time, we can help you make take shorter. I mean, it helps right. patient satisfaction, helps your satisfaction, but, you know, dentistry at the, it, it, you know, uh, I know we we are going to get you to do a filling somehow, Rob, over your life. But, you know, it's an, it's an artistic thing. And, you know, you tell people, you know, they can't rush their art. But I'm like, well, we're, we're taking these PPOs. You got to rush a little more, right? And uh, it doesn't mean you're not going to do a good job. And it's it's a very challenging um, uh, thing to do. And I, I wanted to point out there, too, is, you know, uh, uh, I think we were, uh, Ryan was allowing us to, to, uh, to mention him, a shout out to Ryan Swenson, who said, you know, um, it helped. help, I mean, you know he was saying uh he thinks owner should encourage evaluations from the associate and huh? i a hundred percent agree, totally. but that's a responsibility that the associates might not even always want right because right. it's it's you know if uh, Daphne was to give an, a, an evaluation of us as parents, she might be like, "Well, we should have cake and ice cream for dinner all the time." And we have to say, "Well, <laughs> we're going to not have that, but we have nachos all the time. Don't worry about that." No, I'm just joking, but but you know that's a but I think it's a great experience and great exercise because you come to some shared understanding of the challenges of being an owner. And you know, uh, I think owners would love that uh, too. But I think um, it's one of the things associates said they'd want. But if they were if they were called to do it, it would be somewhat terrifying to them.
1: Maybe, you yeah. know, but I think it also uh, depends on the culture that you have in the office. And I think the culture in the office begins with an open exchange of this type of stuff. And I think if you're having a constructive discussion with the associates about what they're doing and how they can improve, and you weave in you know, questions about what do you think? You don't have to say, "Hey, you know, tell me." You know, uh, Jeff, yeah. what should I, Paul Goodman, be doing yeah, differently? Right. You know, yeah, well, yeah. let's yeah. See. be
2: like Daphne's Christmas have, It'll have, fall have on a the a floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, get but it
1: doesn't have to be that. It, it's really, it's what you know. What can we, as an office, do to improve? What can we be doing better? And I think anybody who is part of a of an organization, and we're talking about intelligent uh educated professionals here that are committed to to the profession they want to be in that environment they want it to be better uh and and you know so those people have every reason and every incentive and desire to say hey we can do a b and c and we could do this differently and i think you know with any business and anything you're doing in your life you know you can be proactive Or reactive, right? And especially as an old dentist or an old lawyer or anything that where you have younger people who are bringing in new ideas uh, or things that they're seeing that other people are doing, that can only help your organization. And I'm going to say, I mean, if you have an environment or a culture in your office that doesn't allow people to say, "Here's how we could do it better," then whoever that person needs to take a big step back and look at what they've got going on because it's 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 a pretty toxic environment and and from a a stress level uh perspective and just a a, just a a fulfillment uh perspective on a daily basis that's not an environment that you know anybody should really want to work in the owner or the associate
2: i uh I agree. Maybe you can help us as dentists, Robert, or just we even just uh, nacho brainstorm a bit when, you know, as a dentist, you get there in the morning, there's a tremendous amount of energy used during the day to see patients and manage things. When do you see dentists, like, or even when you're with your team, when do you do these? Like, you know, and I mean it, like, time of day, uh, quarterly, like, where do you think a dentist could put this into their uh, program?
1: I think, I mean, you know, I think it needs to be done at least annually. Okay. okay? And so as busy as somebody could be and tired, I, I get it. I'm there too. You got If you can't make a day or a day, a half hour a year, uh, you can't carve that out to, to do that, then again, somebody needs to take a step back. But I think, you know, ideally, uh, it's it's a quarterly thing that, uh, you know, you let these people know what what they can do and how they can improve. And let me say this too, Paul. We're talking about, quote, unquote, formal evaluations or written evaluations. I'm not talking about a five-page narrative. Right, yeah. I'm talking about a discrete checklist of eight to ten things with, you know, some sort of score or, you know, relative, you know, performance.
2: Uh, I'm glad you actually said that because I'm a I'm – a, a- big rule follower in general in life. but just how I am. I mean, I, I call it being a regular follower. I like how systems work. I like systems. So I actually, you know, if they say you, you can only drink, you know, thanks for bringing Perrier, I'll drink it, right? You know, if, if, uh, at Einstein, they make us do evaluations of the residents, but they make it so complex, I've given up. Every right. year, I've actually stopped and I've refused to do it because it takes me so long and I have to click through so many screens and I have to do so many nine through one through 10s. It's just not a good way to do it. Because yeah. halfway through, I'm just, I'm, I sometimes I'm, I, the reason I stopped doing it is because I don't think I'm contributing in a meaningful way. Because sometimes I just start putting 10s after a while or sometimes I, you know, you know it, they've made it too complex. So I think your point of eight to 10 things in private practice is perfect. Because I think that's, you know, that fits with the checklist manifesto in that you basically have this six to 10 point checklist you could possibly retain. Mm-hmm. And after that, it just becomes a white noise.
1: Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like a lot of things. I mean, you and I both listen to uh, Tim Ferriss's yeah, podcast a lot. And you know, I've read, read some of his books. And it's like, you know, you can do the 90%. And, and get, you know, enough out of it that you don't need to spend that time to do the, the next incremental 10%. Yeah. Like, could we think up some sort of system with with uh, an associate evaluation where, you know, it was, the, it was the greatest associate evaluation form of all time and it took three hours to fill right, out? Yeah, and yeah, so nobody would ever use it and it would be a, a useless, useless thing. But, you know, I think if you do things that are, you know, basically uh, you stack the deck and it's something that you can execute on, And without it being a huge harangue and without it being met as this, like, giant undertaking and you do it, you know, routinely, it's just like any other routine, you know. It's a lot harder, I think, probably, as we sit here now and talk about to say, like, where where do I fit this into the space? But it's just like everything else you fit into the space in the office. Once you start doing it, it's got its place and it's part of the routine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets done. And then it's no longer this, like, crazy, scary thing or stressful thing. It's just... It's what we do here, you know, and everybody expects it. Everybody's comfortable with it. And it takes away this sort of like aura of, all right. Yeah, we're going to sit down, you know, and and then nobody and the guy, you know, the guy or the girl on the other side of the table, the associate, they don't know what to expect right here. I mean, put yourself in their shoes, right? Here I am, right? It's the end of the year. I don't know what the criteria is I'm being, I'm being being judged on. I don't know. Nobody's told me anything along the way. Holy mackerel. Like, uh, this is
2: scaring the daylights out of me. And it becomes, it becomes, um, now you said that you made such a good point because I use this with implants, like just make it normal. So in our office, I spent the past decade making implants totally normal. So if you walk in, you know, people just an implants like doing a crown or a filling. So our patients are like that. Our patients who are not new feel that way, our team feels that way. We just make it normal. And that's if you make it normal in your office, it becomes normal. Right. Because you know, the associates will change, other people will change, but if you kind of have this, you know, they always say that and I mean I, I do think part of our thing is people need to Care a little bit more about the owner dentist, because uh, rarely do you just hear people say uh, you 've got to treat your team right got to treat everyone right. What about you as the dentist we don 't really care about you, but i 'm just saying that in a, in a joking way because the morale of the, I said this on an Alan Mead uh, podcast the ima- morale of the person prepping your crown should matter to you right, and I think this will enhance morale of everybody. Because things will be more out in the open. Because dentists tend to do this, Rob, I, this move. It's like they say nothing the first 40 times things were not done well. But the 41st, they just explode in a rage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I don't know. That's not many leadership books is the way to go, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't say anything for 40 times and say, I can't believe you came late this time, right? I, think, I don't so, think that's in the top 100 yeah, of so uh, the Amazon I think, uh, you self-help uh, list. Uh, making it normal with a written something written. Uh, eight to ten checkpoints check, eight to ten points I don't know if you saw I posted the um, uh, the cool article from the Philly Mag about the woman who runs Park yeah, and, yeah uh, that's neat. the other thing was uh, you know this is a woman who runs you know 120 employees in one of the most Busiest, highest-producing restaurants, and you saw that she's giving feedback all day long. And right. feedback is sometimes uncomfortable. And um, I actually say, if someone's not attacking you as a person, and they're just attacking something you did, like she was using that example of how the busser was carrying the glasses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that moment is not super comfortable, but the person providing the feedback is trying to do it for the good of the whole of the whole place. And I think associates, dentists, and team members have to remember that uh, that giving feedback is. Just feels
1: sometimes uncomfortable in the moment, but it's what you need to grow. Oh, absolutely, grow and what you need to retain. Because right, really, yeah. if you think about the amount of time and resources that you spend training these associates, you have to go that last right. increment. Like this is, this is you know a, a huge amount of uh, a huge investment in, in them. You don't want them to be unhappy. And, and just and leave or you don't want them to to underperform if you can kind of spend that extra little bit you know yeah. to to kind of do things that make them uh more uh invested in in the practice or make them better dentists that's the big thing because i mean if, if you have somebody what's what's it cost to if you lose an associate you yeah know, but- to, to replace that person and then start from scratch to train people i mean we could probably put a dollar number on it. And we're not going to here, but we could, and right?
2: The, and it also adds into the, just the emotional stress of doing that and also sure. the feeling like things didn't go well, which is just not a good feeling in life on many things. You know? Yeah. So uh, I think it's an – and I think actually, you know, as we move through this closer to this season, you know, not quite yet, of people looking, you know, a whole group of dentists looking for jobs, I think, you know, if they had heard it, if, if, if you – went and interviewed, and they said, yes, we do give reviews here. We do this. I think it's a big positive. But I think what you said was right. You might only hear this at some of the DSOs. Right. And, you know, maybe that's something, you know, you gave a great lecture when we had uh, uh, Maudie and Corey Glenn here about, you know, embrace some of the things that they do and apply them to your own practices. And that
1: is one of them. It's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, (laughs) I look at big law and say, okay, I can't do all that, and I shouldn't do all that. Some of it's not relevant to me. But... These pieces of it really are, you know, and they've they've got people that spend a lot of time and money to figure that out. Why wouldn't I tag on yeah. to some of that? And it's the same thing with DSOs. I think it's easy for a lot of us just to look at the, as my slide at that presentation was yeah, the six hundred pound gorilla, yeah, right? right? <laughs> um, you know, look at them and just be like disgusted and say, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to do anything like them. That's kind of foolish, you know, because there are definitely things that you can you can learn from them and and apply to your practice. And and really, uh, you know, create the the culture and and the uh, and the climate that allows you to, to be happy and allows the people around you to be happy, and to make more money. And I think, you know, it's important too. We're talking about in the associate context. Obviously, that's where the largest investment is. You know, from right. a, from a, a human capital standpoint, and time and training. But the same thing applies to your office manager, your hygienists, yeah. your assistants. I mean, really, everybody in the office. Should be getting this type of evaluation on a on a regular basis, and I think, you know, for a number of reasons, it's the same thing applies with with your non-clinical or your non uh, you know associate staff or your non-dentist staff. Um, but what a lot of people get themselves in trouble with when they have situations where employees are bringing. Uh, Claims against them for different workplace claims, either some sort of harassment or discrimination, and then the employer says, "Well, they you know they weren't performing; they did a horrible job." Right. Well, then the plaintiff's lawyer sends the discovery request and says, "Well, send me the personnel file that says that uh, you know all these bad things that they're doing." Uh, right. Yeah. We don't have one. Okay. So, doc, so there was such a bad employee that you just you didn't even have the time or didn't care to, to document it. Uh, no, well, you know that sounds like you just made it up. Even if it's true, you know it's not credible. Or the other flip side is, oh, you've got this one employee that you've terminated that you don't like, and uh, they have a, a personnel file that's three inches thick, and nobody else in the office has a personnel yeah, file. You right. know? Like, yeah, no, nobody it, else gets written I up mean, except for this person, and you just you just hand it yourself over to the plaintiff's lawyer on, on, a, on a plate, you know. And, and now, now you got to settle that thing because that's a bad case. I mean, that's
2: why I'm glad you put on your, your lawyer uh, hat or attorney hat or attorney fedora as you like to go it. I'm just joking. <laughs> but, you know, I think you know, there was actually a post on a group. Uh, and this kind of puts with, you know, so we talked about case acceptance after taking over practice, you know, with patients. And I think this has to do with taking over teams because a lot of times you'll be taking over a team where the owner dentist didn't do any of this. And now you come in and you have to figure out what to do. And I saw someone post, you know, I'm four months into my transition and I'm just going to go in and fire the office manager. And I, what should I do? And I said, uh, I think you should talk to an a, attorney yeah. just to get some feedback. I mean, you've said this to many times, just to say, hey, does this sound normal? Too many times dentists are saying, oh, just fire him, fire him. And I'm saying before you, you know, do this, you really should check in with somebody. You can always fire. Yeah. If you on fire, and you know it's it's uh, they have you know a lot of these dentists, you know it's not easy to run a practice. But t- tomorrow could be the day to to fire, right? Today doesn't have to be the day, you know. Check in with a, a Rob Montgomery and his team because uh, these things can cause a huge amount of stress for the owner dentist to be dealing with. Uh, uh, lawsuits, even if they win. You know, it's kind of like we talk about with the restrictive covenants. Like, did you yeah. really win? You know, yeah. what if you have to take two days off from your your office? I mean, you know, that's... Uh, two is a light number. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah,
1: a very light number. And, you know, on this topic, too, I mean, we see a lot of uh, practice owners that don't have insurance coverage for those claims, which you know the the coverage does not cost a lot of money yeah. the premiums are fairly low but very few people that yeah, we see e- EPLI, have their, right yeah. yeah we
2: have that yeah we I, I i get it because there's just it's in 2018 i think it's prudent very prudent to have and uh you know just it's like uh it's a big decision to terminate a team member and get some feedback on it because you might you, someone like you or someone say hey where is your file and if they don't have one you're going to say you're going to be in a tough scenario.
1: Yeah, you know, and they're going to hear that they need to have a paper trail. And, and, you know, you know, and that brings us back to what we're talking about. These evaluations are the paper trail. Yeah. So it serves that purpose too. I mean, one obviously is what I really want to talk about and I care about the most, which is the the, the constructive aspect of that, yeah. you know, making your uh, your team and your associates, you know, better and 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 happier. But it also serves the the purpose of of documenting and CYA for when <laughs> yeah. you got a bad person. And and again. If you have systems in place, right, you love this, Paul, yeah. that, that deal with these situations and deal with it neutrally, then, you know, the great people get great reviews. The people that aren't doing well don't get great reviews. And if you get too many not great reviews, then, you know, your file's full of not great reviews. And then when you get fired, it's it's not doesn't come as a surprise. I also
2: think it's such a good point that, you know, because it's like, you'll think of a team like the Patriots or one of these cultures, like, you know, when people leave, they will start saying bad things about them when they're there, they like them. Uh, You might weed yourself out of an organization and that's not so bad either, right? Like, you know, an associate, very few associates is the only job they'll ever have. I mean, you know, you deal with this all the time. And just because you're at a place doesn't mean it's going to be a place you're going to stay at long term. And there's sometimes ways to manage your career in a way where you switch jobs. That's not so so dramatic, right? right? You know, I mean, you, you know, it doesn't have to be so dramatic. People do that in law and dentistry and, and in business, and but they are doing it with purpose, like you would say. Mm-hmm. And you know, you probably will just sort of see, hey, this isn't the place for me, or this is the place for me. And, and you know, even though we don't see this as often in the transition world, it still happens. You also may be buying this practice one day, right? So you're kind of testing the whole thing out so you know this is a big part of it you know it's a uh um you know it's always always uh it's interesting it's like um dentists will sometimes really think their team is a lot better than they are which is probably how you should feel but then a whole new person is going to be captain of this team right and they got to kind of see where people stand and i think that is one of the trickiest parts with acquisitions uh so if you had these you know i think if people are out there maybe some of our listeners are five to ten years away from transitioning great another great reason to do this
1: yeah yeah it's like uh hand uh, you know handing the team off to somebody you don't have a playbook yeah right you exactly know? Like, what do you do well we just right we just kind of figure it out as we go along <laughs> yeah, right. really just just call the yeah. play yeah yeah that's it no
2: yeah, it, it is that, that's uh, you know so i i uh it's not that's a sensible great
1: approach well let's you know in the last few minutes we have here let's just uh let's talk about just some general you know concepts that would make sense paul to uh to include in uh in an associate evaluation. I mean, to me, obviously, you know, there's the clinical feedback, right? Which I think dentists will be very comfortable giving. Yeah. That we're comfortable with. Right. And I think the other important things that I would expect is, you know, how well uh, the dentist gets along with other members of the team. Which will fall into the more uncomfortable range of tough conversations
2: in life that you have. So I think it's a perfect starting point. You know, clinical uh, is right in a dentist' wheelhouse because, interestingly, with clinical stuff, it's fairly objective, right? right? The crown didn't fit. The last few crowns haven't fit. How can we make it fit? And it's actually a very um, uh, synergistic way to do something, right? You kind of have one dentist trying to help the other dentist do that. Uh, so I think dentists just need to document that or, or make time for it. You know, make time to review models. Jeff and I do the review models. Our lab, we have an awesome lab lab who helps us with this. Who helps our associates, and they really want this because they want it. They I mean they want their work to be better too. Mm-hmm. The dealing with the team, I actually believe that we should be in the professional development side. We should be sending our associates to CE on this, or even if it's not CE, right. finding programs. It doesn't always have to be CE. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the mindfulness uh, part. I mean, I now with Dental Nachos, I, I actually recently had someone come in for a whole day and help us with presentations who wasn't me, and uh, it was a great day. I mean, it was a whole professional development day, and it's going to, well, you know, Dennis, I said, so what's the ROI on that? I'm like, I, I don't know. What's the ROI on not being annoyed? Is that a dollar sign? No, I'm yeah. just joking. But, you know, not really. I'm not really joking. But uh, I think those things are great to dig into, like how they interact with the team, and sometimes they need... I use this term a lot, like a heads up, right? You know, hey, when you come in, uh, heads up, it would be good to say hello to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing that right. dentists have had to deal with. And maybe no one's ever said hello to them Right? Uh, but then on the other side, heads up, you can't talk to the front desk for 19 minutes about, you know, the most recent reality TV show if, the, if your dentist is waiting to review the day. So it's a delicate balance. And, you know, we've talked about that at our secret study clubs. It's not easy on associates with the team.
1: Right, right. And so uh, there, there are two areas that are they're that important. They are you know obviously how you're relating to patients and you know how you know how the associate is with as far as case acceptance, right? That's what everybody's talking yeah. about now, right? So, and but uh, and but even with with the case acceptance and the clinical and you know relating to other people, uh, other staff members and team members in the office, I think the other component of the of the evaluation is is what can you do to improve you know even from a clinical standpoint i mean what do you tell your people if they clinically they're not doing something that you think is is up to snuff or that they can improve on you know i would i would think that you know recommendations can be made to say hey maybe you need to spend some more time doing this or maybe you need to go
2: to a ce i mean jeff Jeff, i give jeff a lot of credit for this Uh, Jeff was great with this. I mean, we I actually had a pic, posted a picture of him recently where we had our associates uh, assisting him for a crown because she could see up close and personal. And it was to both their credits because he had the patience to have another dentist and kind of say, this is how I do it. And then our, our associate um, was aware enough to say, hey, my patient's not here, assisting is not beneath me, and I want to watch this chair side. Uh, and that was a, that's a uniquely Cool experience. A lot of times it's looking at model work out, outside of the office, I mean, outside of patient care and sees exactly. It. If an associate came to me and said, Hey, Paul, I really want to take this CE on how to do better implant overdentures, I'd say, Okay, let's look at it together. That's great. So I don't think, don't be afraid to ask your owners uh, to support you in those endeavors because it helps everybody in in, in that. Uh, also, the other thing I'd say, Rob, is maybe I don't know if you have this with uh, um, clients over the years. But if you know a client's challenging, and then one of your associates sees them, and you're like, oh yeah, they're a tough customer. But if you have a new client and they complain about your associate, I'll say new patient, don't always take the uh, patient's side because oh, yeah. you'll be seeing that patient. And be like, oh yeah, this person is not easy to deal with. So I encourage owners to not be. Too, you were young once too, and and uh, I'm almost. I'm taking it's not, Taking sides is a little too dramatic, but I'm just willing to hear the whole story because not everybody loves me and not everyone's going to love the associate. So I think that's an important thing too for the associate to feel supported in those endeavors because we're working on people all day long.
1: Yeah, yeah. And associates too. I mean, this is kind of a lead in, even what we're talking about now, you know, to some upcoming episodes that we're going to do more on just unmindfulness uh, and, and fulfillment in the practice and stuff that's a little less clinical and less I love business. It, yeah. uh, but, you know, I think you have to put yourself in the shoes of the associates, too. I mean, you you were once a young associate yeah. as well. Uh, and while practice owners certainly have a lot of stress, uh, so do the associates. I mean, yeah. they, they have have student, student debt. They're not making as much money. They're learning mm-hmm. how to practice the profession and a lot of these clinical things they're not entirely comfortable with right. on, on a regular basis. So, you know, while you know, the the practice owner certainly feels stress, and it's a different stress. You have to appreciate the stress that uh, that the associate's uh, going I mean,
2: through. I mean, I 100% agree, and I'm excited to hear more about, um, you know, what you have in store with this, because I think it's sort of the third thing. You know, we talk about being good clinically. We talk about non-clinical, but this whole, you know, I know it's it's— it's under the phrase of either mindfulness, wellness, but it's about protecting yourself as the provider of these things. Whether you're a lawyer or a dentist, right. and I think our clients and patients should care. I care, you know. I mean, I, I care about how my person making my nachos feels, and I care about how the person fixing my car feels. And I think for some weird reason, we, as consumers, have kind of stopped caring, and that's not okay. And I think it's okay for dentists to not feel a hundred percent good. About what they're doing and how they need tools how to deal with it. You know, that's say We don't ever talk about that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's true. You know, and it's becoming more of a buzzword and uh, concept in in the law profession because there have been some horrible stories recently. And I I think as I told my my crew earlier, it's like my the nine states I'm licensed, I get a bar journal from each one of these yeah. states so I can see like, you know, the trends. Yeah, right? yeah. That's- and 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 well professional well-being is definitely uh, a very hot topic uh, because of that, and I think a lot of us really—it's—it's it's the this is sort of like the other consequence of Amazoning of, yeah. of the world. You know, this is the how how lawyers and dentists feel now that the expectation of immediacy and the the impersonal nature of of the consumer and the feeling detachment with with the person that's actually providing the service. Uh, is not uh, it's not an easy thing to deal with as as the professional. No, you know, it's a very yeah. stressful thing, and I think you know it's it's you know we talk about you know, not you know, about about having your eyes open and, and paying attention to what's going on from a business standpoint in your practice. But as you just said, Paul, that also includes paying attention to yourself, your well being, the well being of the people that work for you, and just putting your head down and saying I'm just going to plow through this. Yeah. That is not the solution to any of this that yeah, we're talking about. You get about.
2: into really bad habits, and it's sometimes, and you know, would say, it's, you have to take a step back sometimes, too. And even, you know, I know we've talked about Gary Vee, and he, he always listens to one his podcasts. He's like, you know, what would happen if I was not here in, you know, anymore? He goes, I'd have a good day on social media, probably the best day. It was a joke, because, you know, people would be saying, yeah. but then after that, the world would just keep spinning. And, yeah. you know, I think dentists and people, always have to remember that, too, because, uh, sometimes we are just too hard on ourselves in all arenas and it's not good for anyone, especially our patients and clients, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and the people that work for us, and the people who work with us and who yeah. live with us. So I think yeah. it's a great lead into future topics, Rob. I'm
1: looking forward to it. It's cool. Great. Well, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun, Paul, as always. And yeah. uh, thanks for, uh, for doing
0: it. Yeah. Great discussion, Rob. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the dental amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.